Hello and welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. My name is McKay Rippey. I'm your host and today we have in the studio with us Aurora who is back from her Thanksgiving break and we'll bring her on mic so to speak in a little bit but first I just want to give you an update of what we're doing here. We're reinvigorating Lime Ninja Radio, reinventing it and we're going to be focusing on, or I should say we are focusing on, prevention after recovering from Lyme disease. I feel that after 270-some episodes of Lyme Ninja Radio in five years, plus a year break, sorry about that, that there's enough information out there about treatment options. Now, that doesn't mean we've solved the puzzle of how to treat Lyme disease, but there are enough options, there's enough information, there's not really a whole lot new happening in the Lyme world. It's just a matter of doing the hard work of figuring out what's right for you. And I don't know if a podcast is the best way to present that type of information. That has to be done with a medical professional. But what we do know is after Lyme, we're still vulnerable. And we want to avoid relapsing. We want to avoid taking steps back as much as possible. And that's what we're going to be focusing on. And that's my story. After having a mild, quote-unquote, mild case of Lyme, I relapsed about 10 years later. And it was uh, three months of H-E-L-L. It was no fun at all. So we're going to mark the beginning of our new format Please give us feedback. Let us know what you think. It's going to be an interview format again, but it's not going to be a straight interview before. It's going to be a little more commentary, a little more digging in depth at what works and what doesn't work for preventing relapse. And please send us some feedback. Let us know what you think about how we're doing things. Eventually, we'll get some cool music and things like that going on the podcast as well. But for now, it's just... My voice, Aurora's voice, and the voice of our guest, Heather Peretta. And she is an amazing, amazing, amazing woman. She was my first guest on Lime Ninja Radio. And she also has marked the 100th episode and the 200th episode. So we kind of check in with Heather whenever we're making a milestone. And the beginning of this new format for Lime Ninja Radio is indeed a milestone. So... Please join with me as we interview Heather and get her insights on what she does to stay healthy. Because she has climbed out of quite the, I don't know what to call it, the abyss, the darkness, the struggle of Lyme. And has put together an amazing life. Not to say that she doesn't have struggles or needs to work, but she is really an inspiration on what it takes and what can be done after being really and truly very, very sick. And so the first thing that we get into in our interview is a little recap of what her Lyme journey and other diagnosis journey. So she wasn't just Lyme disease, as it is with so many of you. She had many other problems. So here's what she answered when I asked her the questions about where she is right now, and does she consider herself free of Lyme disease? It took me a year and a half, and I kind of crawled out. I was feeling pretty good. 
Then I had a lot of loss in my life. There was a death in my family, someone who's really close to me. And I was sort of feeling the stress of different things. And I had a little bit of a hard time there for a short period of time. But then I came back out of that and I really felt great. I, at that point, I had basically like, uh, I had a conversation one day with Lyme disease and I sat down, I was sitting in my son's bed and I said, okay, look, I don't care. You can live in here forever because I'm a community and you can be part of it. I, you probably already have been part of it way before I knew that you even existed And so I'll stop taking things to try to kill you if you let me live my life. And that was a turning point for me. You know, whether that conversation actually took place or whether it was just my change of perspective, but I stopped trying to kill Lyme disease and to fight Lyme disease. And I started doing things to support myself and slowly but surely the symptoms of Lyme disease definitely subsided and I was feeling really, really great. That's an amazing interaction with your own body, with your own psyche about being sick. And that was part of so many of the interviews that we did with people who had recovered from Lyme disease, that they had this turning point in their own perspective and how they view themselves and the world. And that was often the beginning of, of recovering from Lyme disease. So the next part of the interview, Heather talks about what set her back and the trigger for that. And it's really, it was a physical trauma. And let's just dive right into her answer here. And then I had uh, an accident. So I fell down the stairs And I didn't realize, but I damaged the vertebrae in my neck and the ligaments that held them up. And then within a year, I had a second fall. And so that was two head traumas within the space of a year. And what I did not know at that time is that the symptoms came on, the neurological symptoms came on really slowly, but they were definitely neurological symptoms, both digestive and coordination wise, there was all kinds of things that started to happen that were really, I felt like, like an alien had taken over my body. Like I did not really have control over what was going on. And I did not know at that time that I have a connective tissue disorder that is a genetic condition that made it such that my, the ligaments in my neck did not heal after the first trauma. And it, it really exacerbated the second. So what Heather is talking about, I believe, is something called the cell danger response, which has been formulated, the idea has been formulated by Robert Navio, and it's something I like to call cellular PTSD. And although Heather was feeling great after her conversation with Lyme disease, she had two accidents that happened in quick succession. And the second one kind of piled on to the first. And that's this, and, and that really highlights this idea of cellular PTSD, which probably was still in place from the Lyme disease as well. And what it basically means is your physiology isn't as robust as it was before your initial illness. And that you're, you, you may look fine, you may feel fine day to day, but when a trauma happens 
the what do I want to say your robustness it's thinner like the cushion that you have to absorb such a shock is thinner does that make sense Aurora it does make sense. I always think of it as your body is much more inclined to go into a panic mode than anything else rather than a rather than have it be rather than think of it in terms of I don't know, stamina or resistance. Well, that's the the PTSD idea, right? Yeah. Sell your PTSD. Yeah. And I definitely agree with you that there's like there's triggering events and that just can set you all off all over again and it really is really is too bad that when you have Lyme disease like this seemingly innocuous things like falling just do a little fall down the I actually have no idea if it was a little fall or not but the sound knows she 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 had pretty strong it was a strong trauma yeah she yeah. had two concussions and yeah damaged her neck pretty seriously so these aren't trivial accidents yeah and this idea of cellular ptsd it's something that as somebody who's recovered from lyme disease you can't assume just because the storm has passed and the sun is out and the birds are singing again that the damage from the storm is therefore healed as well and that you need to take care of yourself on a deep level. You need to nourish yourself at a very deep level, which probably includes replenishing minerals. It probably includes having extra sleep for a while. And it definitely includes cleaning up your mindset. And the next part of the interview, Heather really begins to get into her mindset. One of the things, one of the tools that I used was to name things because it engages the prefrontal cortex in a way that you can sort of keep it from running down these more uh, primitive brain pathways by engaging that in a different kind of activity. So when I would walk up and down the driveway, teaching myself to do that and not have the muscle contractions at the same time, I would list bird species and butterflies and all those things because I'm a naturalist and that's the stuff that's in my brain that I feel most comfortable with. And so what I decided is that I would extend that to just an acknowledgement of everything that's around as I walk because of the fact that it, it, it feels in a way meditative and respectful to be in communication with other energies like that. I really love that. Uh, there's a, and the reason, so there's a, a very good health reason for doing that as well besides getting the the mindset right taking time to notice and engage in the world around you and just simply just observe it it switches you over from that sympathetic nervous system to that parasympathetic nervous system and just getting your body to switch over to that slightly more calmer observational state can already be so healing yes and that that walk, that naming, that greeting, as you're about to see in the next clip from Heather, mm -hmm. is part of her gratitude process. And that's why we have the gratitude challenge here at Lime Ninja Radio. 
And the challenge is to, between now and the new year, or Christmas, whichever you prefer, to write a thank you card, and particularly a physical card. Get a stamp, get a card, put it in the mail, and spread the love. And after you kind of clear the backlog of thank yous that you should have written and got get rid of the, the guilt and kind of clear the mental clutter, take out the mental trash, you will find yourself having to search for things you're grateful for. And in doing so, you're actually creating gratitude out of nothing. You are switching your mind from what's wrong in the world. You're training your brain from looking for what's wrong in the world for what's right in the world. And unfortunately, we are surrounded by media who make their money, make their millions or billions, whatever the case may be, on telling us what's wrong with the world. We have plenty of that. We actually have to work hard on looking at the other side of things. And I next asked Heather about her gratitude practice. Does she have a gratitude practice? And her response was very, very interesting. No, if, um, it's probably not exactly what you would think, but I, when I walk every day, I greet the every the day i greet the sun i greet the trees i greet even the asphalt road i am in relationship very deep relationship with the ecological world that i am a part of and that feeling is of deep connection and gratitude for every for everything and that extends to the people. Obviously, they're part of our ecological world, too. And so it's just a way that I live my life. I am deeply grateful for every, for every energy, every being. And I express that not sometimes in words and sometimes just in feeling. But that's how, that's how I walk in my morning walk. And that's how I walk you know, the rest of my day as I do my things. So these daily practices, and Heather has masterfully combined the physical walking with the gratitude attitude to help calm her nervous system down and to keep it, uh, to keep it calm, to keep it cool, and to continue to heal it so that when life's inevitable inevitable you may get my lips working this early in the morning inevitable bumps and bruises happen that there is that cushion there is that ability to withstand some of the shock and not go as far down the symptomatology route the next thing i want to highlight in our interview was the detective work that heather had done and how we need to think outside the tick. That was one of our themes toward the end of our last series of podcasts, that we need to think outside the tick, that so much more happens with Lyme disease than the disease itself. It seems to set the table and invite in other problems. And if you're solely focused on killing bugs, you may miss other very, very important clues. And I want you to listen for how Heather has done the detective work and now understands what's going on with her body. And because of that, 
can have a very clear idea of what she needs to do to maintain her health and continue to heal. If you don't understand what you're dealing with, you can't get better. And more importantly for our conversation, you can't stay better. You can't become relapse-proof, as I like to say. And of course, you know, you combine all the Lyme disease and then the falls and all of these things, twin pregnancy, and it had put a lot of strain on my immune system. So I ended up with a lot of mast cell activation issues. Um, I had a huge amount of autonomic nervous system issues. And then of course, the, the EDS, Errol Danlos, um, hypermobility, it has its own sets of like physical kinds of things. So I had all of these things kind of com- combining and then I damaged my neck and it created cranial cervical instability. And so the first vertebrae in my neck pushes on my brainstem. My brainstem comes down, it goes around it, but all of that rubbing both, you know, it, it has physical issues, but also that leads to additional mast cell activation. And it- so you can see that Heather was dealing with so much more than Lyme disease. And that's critical to understand your health in a deep way in order to stay healthy and become relapse proof because there are lots of things tugging at her physiologically and that then can wrap around psychologically, right? And, and bring you down. And that I can't emphasize that enough. Like if you simply focus on the, the tick and, and whether, whether or not you were a little bit sick like I was or very sick like Heather was with Lyme, there's, it opens, the, I can't emphasize this enough, this idea of cellular PTSD, this cell danger response, your physiology has shifted in a way that you don't understand until you relapse. And that's what I want to help you avoid. Like when I relapsed, I lost three months. It was one month of hell. Uh, not sleeping, constant chronic pain. You know, there were times in the morning where I was darn near defeated and had to just talk myself into living another day again. And I don't mean, I wasn't suicidal. So I have great sympathy for people who are. But you begin to see that side of things and you can see where, wow, it would be easy to give up. And to simply have to talk to yourself to get out of bed get off the couch actually I couldn't sleep lying down I had to sleep sitting up because my shoulder just to do the simple things to have a conversation with yourself to give yourself a pep talk is exhausting in and of itself and then the lack of sleep and everything else that piles up so the point is don't relapse let's not relapse don't get don't relapse is right but this is all we're I'm, we're all saying the same thing in different ways, but this is reminding me of a, a book you had from back in your coaching days when it, it talked about resiliency and building resiliency in the team. Do you remember that book? No. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> and, because, and the reason I say no is because what well, it sounds like every book that's ever written, the resiliency theme has been around for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And... It's just, it's woven into everything at this point. 
So do you remember anything else about the book? Just that you had to build resiliency. Just that we had to build resiliency. Yes, resiliency is important. There's no doubt about that. And that's the way you become relapse-proof, right? It's not that life isn't going to happen to you. Obviously, you want to avoid driving off the cliff, so to speak. You want to avoid triggers that you can avoid. But life comes at you pretty fast sometimes, and you fall downstairs. There's nothing you can do about this. It's a true accident. And that's the type of stuff we want to be strong enough to be able to handle without then having uh, it, Lyme symptoms reoccur or an infection reoccur because we're weak. And to bring this all home, Heather has recovered to the point where she's in a PhD program. She's in a doctoral program, and she's taking everything, her experiences, her previous learning, what she's learned about Lyme, what she's learned about her health, and wrapping it all together and I'd like to share with you her discussion about what she's doing and how she's thinking about health as an ecosystem and really not as a linear path to tread. And I think it gives some insight, has some very interesting things that can help us reframe what we're going through and what our job is in staying healthy. Well, that's, uh, so that's exactly what I'm studying in this doctoral program in eco-psychology is how we use ecological principles um, to inform us on our own psychological processes. And as such, I like to work with a metaphor of lake turnover because I'm a water person. So, and there's also, I have a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of reading about sort of old practices that have been in various cultures, but also a lot of things come to me as a felt sense. Like I'll be walking and I just get an image of something. So one day I was walking and I had this really strong image of a cauldron filled with like tea colored liquid in my abdomen. And um, as I've sort of thought about these things, it, it seems to me that this, that this idea of you know, bogs and lake turnover, that I can really work with this metaphor to, you know, twice a year, a lake will turn over if it's a deep lake. And what happens is, is that as the water temperature um, becomes close to 39 degrees, all of the layers are flipped over. And then on the surface, because of wind, that's aerated. And then down deep where things have been decomposing all this time, all that nutrient is put through all of the layers. And so if we think about our psyche like that, like there are things down in the, in the bottom that may have been laid down in layers for years and years and years, a little bit of stirring is always a good thing. We like to mix things and get them moving again so that you don't get, I don't, I don't mind putting more layers down on top. That's okay. I mean, stuff happens to us all, right? But the thing is, is that I don't want that to become rock. I don't want that sedimentation process to, to go and compress and become rock. Even things that have compressed over my lifetime, I, I, right now I'm in the process of stirring those and acknowledging like, yeah, this is how I feel. Yep, I see it. But I want to mix those because there's nutrient down there that can be used to further other things that I want to do. So I'm not interested in trying to stop any of these processes. 
I'm interested in saying like, yeah, I see that you're, I'm a little bit hooked by whatever this happened. I get that. Okay. So can I like, you know, in chemistry, anything's better with increased surface area, right? Can I chop that up? And what are the little bits that I can sort of masterfully reform into something that is useful to me? And then the last question I had for Heather was about how she views her whole experience and her whole relationship with Lyme disease. And this is what she had to say. I live a very fluid, beautiful life. And so Lyme disease is always going to be part of me. I, I think the bacteria is part of me. I think the experience is part of me. I think that that energy that is sort of what we know as Lyme disease is part of me. It's expressed through, through me. But I don't feel like I need to fight or kill a bacteria that is a problem for me right now. And that concludes our interview with Heather Peretta. Please email us and let us know what do you think about this new format, kind of going back and forth and commenting on the interview rather than just one giant chunk. I think it's going to give, I'm, I'm excited about it because I think it's going to give Aurora and I a chance to do some more teaching and, and highlighting the important things. Uh, I know when I'm riding the lawnmower and listening to a podcast, there are times where uh, you, you you forget, you you miss something, you hit a bump and you miss something that's important. So you go back and re-listen to it again and being able to pause the interview in the middle and comment on it, I think is going to prevent you from having to rewind, <laughs> so to speak, because yeah. we can just re-highlight what we think is important and hopefully you'll find that's important too. And th the other thing is to really begin to lay the foundation for a program I'm putting together about relapse prevention, becoming relapse proof. It's going to combine technology, monitoring yourself, a little bit of Chinese medicine focused not on killing herbs, but on rebuilding the terrain, maybe something like Keton water, which is all about recovering the terrain, uh, and then cleaning out the mental trash. Uh, making sure that you're not hanging on to old thought patterns that were developed while you were very, very sick. It's easy to develop bad habits and, and get stuck in those and get bad totally habits. stuck in those bad habits. And they can even be unconscious. Even breathing, shallow breathing, can be an unconscious bad habit or poor sleep habits. You know, it just goes on and on and on. And living a healthy life kind of back to your coaching thing, becoming resilient, it's the same thing. To become a top athlete, you need to optimize your health and your mental status. To become relapse-proof, you need to optimize your health and your mental status. So being a lookout for that. Also, reminder, please join us in the gratitude challenge. And what that means is to write a thank you card. Definitely, we should probably turn it into a 30-day challenge. For 30 days, we just invented it. It was going to be between Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? Take, take advantage of the Thanksgiving feeling that is here in the States and begin it there. But there's no reason why you can't begin the gratitude challenge at any point. And 
just send out thank you cards. Maybe we should even put together a little gratitude packet that people could to I, buy, including the stamps, and just have it shipped, maybe? maybe? Maybe not. Uh, anyway, you can do it yourself. It's easy. Go to your favorite store and buy a box of thank you cards and begin to write these notes. It changes your physiology. It changes your brain patterns. It changes the way you feel about the world. It will change you, I promise you, but you have to do it. You have yep. to write these thank you cards. And the science is there. I don't have the studies in front of me right now, but this is not just McKay with his hippie <laughs> acupuncture ideas. Let's walk barefoot and hug trees. This is actual science, yep. which influenced the hippie barefoot tree hugging acupuncturist I studied Ways. with. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next week.